Hey there, nerds and dorks and Avatar fans. Welcome back. We are the Hype Benders. I'm Sean. I'm Joshua. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. We're going to continue forward with Avatar Book 2, Earth, and the next three episodes in the series. Episode 10, The Library. Episode 11, The Desert. And Episode 12, The Serpent's Pass. So let's just jump right in. All right. Starting with the library. In the library, uh, the Ang gang finds their way to, uh, they decide to take a vacation. They wind up in a, uh, like an abandoned cabana kind of place. It's, it's kind of weird where they are. I don't know what the heck that's supposed to be. Uh, and they meet up with an archaeology professor kind of guy, uh, kind of a nerdier, um, Indiana Jones who's really excited about this library and they realize that the library will be full of useful information in their war with the fire kingdom so they decide to help this guy out uh they go out into the desert and find the library yeah they, they run into like uh sand benders which are kind of cool we don't need a minute by minute dude you're really uh uh you're right i'm giving too much and then they uh they get into the <laughs> library which is run by a weird owl spirit and uh they lose appa in the adventure you forgot that all of our listeners have watched the show before because we're the last four uh, humans <laughs> left watching the show. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's whatever. Um, I'm going to start I with say it feels like that most saying of the that the design of the owl creature fucking ruled. Yeah, like, that was really cool. Especially when it went fucking ape shit at the end of the episode and it was, de- first of all, destroying its own sanctuary. It was like, another Miyazaki eh. thing too. It very, it felt very much like the kind of no face trash. Although I don't know if Spirited Away was out by that point, but I will, who knows? Um, the internet does, but we don't because we're dumb. But uh, you know, like it was still like it went from being this like kind of cutesy penguin-looking giant thing to this uh, like angry phoenix dragon thing. Uh, Spirited Away had just come out like a couple years earlier, so I, I did get kind of like a no face trashing the bathhouse kind of vibe yeah but like no face didn't live and protect the bathhouse i'm just talking about the look the look of it like running around and chasing them and like pecking after them it felt like when no face goes crazy in the end and just starts like chasing everyone yeah i'm lost in the dark on who that is neck and everything and i thought that it was edward james almost doing the voice of the owl is that but it was was hector elizondo i don't know who that is is he an old white guy bald guy white guy uh well he's a old hispanic dude okay yeah uh, I'm trying to remember what I'm is, woke, what is Sean. Yeah, fuck. Oh, right. He was in The Taking of Pelham 123. That's a great fucking movie. Hector Elizondo. Oh, no. Cause that was the guy who I was thinking of. The original. 74. Yeah. He's an old dude. Oh, he's in Pretty Woman. Yeah. Everett Hills Cop 3. He yep. was like one of the baddest cops in the in the end. So, yeah. you've He's one of those character actors you see him. You've and seen forever. You're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, she is right now screaming off, like, how do you not know who Hector Elizondo is? I promise you. Yeah. That's not cat rocks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there are a few things that came up in this one. Uh, I had a meme watch. Oh, what meme watch? Meme watch. Oh. Tough when what? she uh, she puts her hand in front oh. of her face. Oh, like yes. I'm blind, you idiots. Like that. Yeah. That bit. That was from this episode. <laughs> I, I know I've seen that before. Again, maybe this is what I was waiting for with Tough, but like, it, this is now what I've wanted to watch. Her, it, she's just the pure sarcasm to. Um, Sokka's like complaining. Yeah, I still feel like Sokka's become the character they clearly wanted him to be in the first one, and I think maybe he even kind of was, but we didn't notice that he was supposed to be more of the like whiny character. 
because we agreed with everything he was whining about. So we just identified with him that like, yeah, they're Aang and Katara being stupid. And now that the show is a lot better, we're like, eh, just go with it. Sokka, stop bitching. Well, I may be getting a little ahead here, but I feel like since Toph has joined the group, her her skills and like what she brings to the table has really let the gang avoid a lot of what they probably would have like stumbled into or failed with in all of season one. Like, for instance. Oh, yeah. Like, I just feel like they're avoiding like all the like dumb mistakes they were making because like they just wanted to like stop somewhere or they wanted to trust somebody and i like i said i'm getting ahead of myself but it just she she has like that uh the sensing of like everything in the rocks and like you know whereas in the past they probably would have just like jumped into a dangerous situation instead of like having like a heads up on certain things yeah like uh, to that yeah. point i agree with you 100% and uh one of the things that um i think we've all enjoyed about so far about season 2 is they haven't done the market thing you know, like nope, it's, not it's once. been so much more inventive. Like this one, everyone gets their own mini vacation. I forget where they were at first, and then they went to the the ice thing. Uh, Prairie Dog Choir. Yes, the Prairie Dog yes. Choir. <laughs> then they went to Mos Eisley, and then they did the womp womp womp. Yeah, and then uh, then Sokka wanted to do his mini vacation at a library. You know, like it was that I liked the idea of like here, let's, let's come up with a different reason to jump around instead of like, oh, we're hungry. I would say of the second season, this one was the most throwaway monster of the week episode yet. Like, I feel like most of it was like kind of stuff you didn't really need to move the plot forward, except for a couple of things like, like losing up at the end. And I did not mind the episode at all. Cause it did still like you, well, I guess we learned about the, uh, the clips, yeah. which is a big deal. There was a uh, Appa getting captured, which is a huge deal. Uh, True, but I mean, I, I still felt like just like the library thing, like m- did feel like just like a bit of like a side quest. But again, it's way better put together. And I think a lot of it does come down to like what you've said in the past, Sean, is that because now they clearly like won the right to make the story linear, which they couldn't do in the first season. They can always throw in these type of details that matter more later, where in the first season, there was a couple of throwaway episodes that were just flat out throwaway episodes. And also I was going to say to your to your to Dan's point before, by the way, about Toph, I was going to say, again, this is a little jumping ahead, but the last episode that we watched, episode 12, I, I wrote a note saying that that whole episode should just be called Toph Saves Everyone Over and Over Again. And like, I think part of it is that she is just, she's kind of like the best bender of any of them. Yeah. Because she is so like always on point with, or, and part of it probably is because Aang's a super great airbender but she also has that like spidey sense on top of her bending which makes her extra valuable to the team that she's always just like oh something's yeah. from over there i'll put up a fucking rock wall and save everyone's life yeah i mean like i loved the end of this episode when she's trying to balance both defending appa and stopping the library from sinking you know like i love that and the sand being her weakness was really smart I love that one scene we saw where she like whipped the sand into rock real quick so she could stand on it and hold the thing up, yeah. but still couldn't like fight the sand benders. And yeah, that was like really, it was a pretty tense moment. Yeah. I was impressed that she held up the entire library like for that long. That was, that was insane. So something I also, two, two, two big call outs I want to, well, a call out I want to make and uh, a really, a big point that I really liked about this episode. Uh, the call out is, uh, Pete, you must have noticed the, the left-handed call out, which I yes. thought you would have yes, yes, been yeah, psyched about like, that. Yes. 
And uh, secondly, I was one of the things I was talking to my wife about was how, uh, you know, the anti-war message from the owl was definitely tropey. I mean, it's a fairly common trope of, you know, I think the whole you cannot use these for any kind of violent or war or militarized purpose, even though this is a power that would help the main character in a fight or a battle. And like you kind of know off the bat that like they're going to do that thing that they're not supposed to. You also know off the bat that like it's kind of silly to say that you can't use whatever this thing is for violent or militaristic purposes because they need to to like save the world and it ends up becoming a pretty good lesson in like you know violence is still violence military is still military and like the whole bit where the bird was like saying that like uh you know you think that wars are noble and everybody always thinks that their cause is a noble cause so like why should i trust you when you say that yours is and i thought that was actually a really good lesson for the age that this show was made for that kind of like probably 9 to 13 range and i think it made me now i could see kind of past the trope because i realized that like it's definitely the first time that a lot of kids watching that show probably would have run into that kind of like ham-handed like no war is ever good kind of message but i think it handled it well well i mean for those of us, uh, which everyone except for maybe Dan, uh, it, like we're children of the '80s. All of our cartoons, all of them, had war. Like, just people were shooting. Yeah, I mean, like Flint dying in the GI Joe movie, you know. But like, whether we go, like even Shira, you know, like um, the fucking Care Bears had to fight. You know, like everything, everybody fought um, back then. And but and those but, uh... morals were like for lack of a term, lame. They were just super lame. Like, the, the morals we grew up with were super lame. This is actually well, I would argue, a good though, moral It's lesson. better, but I would say, first off, I remember a couple of the G.I. Joe, you know, knowing it's half the battle. Oh, the PSAs at the end? A lot of them were, like, don't fight. Fighting never solves anything. Like, don't be a bully. Being a bully is bad. Uh, and it was funny, because you'd be like, didn't you guys just, like, yeah, aren't you guys all soldiers, and you just got into, like, a huge war and, like, solved problems with violence, and then you give me a little thing at the end saying, hey, kids, don't solve problems with violence, like this entire episode was about. Well, it's a very and, biblical uh, response, right? Yeah. It's 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 not don't fight, it's don't fight your own kind. You fight uh, external I, forces. You're, you're, you're getting hella deep there. I'm just saying that, like, they tried to quickly shoehorn right. in the message. Yeah. And I think around the 90s, we saw smarter moral lessons. shows and, and, and not I'm not saying only for that age. I mean, I think that a lot of times when I've seen this kind of trope of the like the irony of fighting to stop war is already like a failed venture because like you're doing the thing you're trying to stop to stop it. A lot of anime, I think like Gundam wing, I think did a lot of that. Like, you know, you're fighting the fight to stop all the fighting and like you're fucking just perpetuating violence and they try to get really deep about that. But I think that this was probably one of the first times that, you know, nine to 13 year old kids in 2005 got this kind of message. Um, And if people had heard it, like, you know, people older, they would have heard it from an older source. So I think this did do a really good job of bringing that message to like a, a younger audience. So like this time I actually really thought the moral was, very well done. Also, again, sometimes it's hard for me to judge what is a trope because I have to think this feels tropey to me, but that's in 2020 <laughs> as well, like a 42 year old man. And I yeah. don't know what felt tropey to a 10 year old in 2005. I didn't know what a trope was until I was in my 20s um, when this True. came out. But, you know, but I don't even know if I was 42 in 2005, I would have thought this know. was a trope by then because yeah. I think this is a lesson that became more common sense then. 
Yeah, well, I mean, because we've been in a nonstop war since this showed up. But um, one Good of point. my favorite. <laughs> well, right. This came out like, you know, after the years of 9-11. So there's definitely a good reason to have the, the anti-war message in there. And I think like if you do kind of like go deeper with it, you can like see the you see that resemblance to the, oh, you know, this is a spirit creature and or an animal. And a lot of times those creatures are something that's like mystical or magical or different than humans is usually like kind of like on like a like a spiritual level above humans in a way where they're like wiser and they try to like be like oh you know all the humans are the same and the humans got to prove themselves to each other uh or not to each other to the uh to the beings and i think that's kind of like where like children can see that as like kind of like almost like a parent like teaching them this lesson yeah i was gonna say it's almost like a surrogate of the writer of the episode saying i'm going to assert my like morals and values into this episode as I is my want. And since I am kind of the God creator of the show, I'll have a spirit kind of say this, like, cause I think of a human character, if Sokka or some other player person said, Hey, maybe we shouldn't fight because war is bad, blah, blah, blah. It becomes an opinion yes, that can yes. be debated, but having, yeah, like the spirit say it now, it's like a fucking fact that like humans fight wars. They're always kind of pointless. You always think you're in the right and you need to think more about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have nothing to say about that because I think you guys both nailed it. Um, yeah, jump but, to something else. Go ahead. Yeah, the uh, the thing that made me laugh the most in this episode uh, was watching Sokka steal books um, because <laughs> yeah. uh, he stole like a teenager stole like steals. Like that's what Josh and I would do. We'd hit up Walden. We'd go to the Livingston Mall and walk out with like three hundred dollars worth of merchandise, having paid for yeah. like. A soda at any people Amps. would make fun of my Jinko jeans and my stupid huge pockets, but yeah. I could steal six liters of soda. So, but I mean, like, it's the last laugh there. It's like you know because he it was he was stealing like he didn't care. It's it's a library. Like he was just, just taking stuff. Them. Yeah, it was just just because he could, and but the, you know he breaks into the the seat like the clearly important behind a plate glass uh, plate <laughs> glass. If we fix that. I editing. was gonna say something. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the glass. You know, pass. Yeah, he, he, you know, he breaks into the um, glass plate and steals the the scroll that's like clearly been burned a little bit. Um, and then when someone's like, "Dude, why are you taking this?" He's like, "Shut the fuck up! You're gonna get me caught!" You know, like. Well, and once again, that was him solving a problem with just his fucking wits, because he is really smart, yeah. and like he can't bend. But he's the one who's like, "Yeah, you can't bend yourself into learning." this important information, which is like this date of this eclipse, which he, you know, sussed out, which was pretty, pretty smart. He also had my favorite funny line, which was when he hit the bird and said, yeah, well, this is soccer style. Learn it. Oh yeah. And immediately I was <laughs> thinking, my first thought was how come I've never seen a meme of like, like someone getting Gangnam knocked Soka out style. No, yeah. I was thinking like someone redoing soccer. And then I realized how come I never saw, or maybe I just haven't noticed it. And if someone, has one of these memes, please post it in our one of our Facebook group of Appa Gangnam style, but with Appa, because I realize I've never seen that personally. It would be really and, hard to 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 animate give. him dancing with all six uh, legs. There's the internet, Sean. Someone can make that happen if they wanted to. I'm sure it's somewhere already. Yeah, the skills are out there. I I thought it was uh, funny that that archaeologist is still in the library. And, yeah, that was actually on character. Well, because normally the character would get out and would be like, "No, I had all these books. I love it." He was like, "No, fuck it, I'll die in here. This is this is what I've always wanted." I I, I highly enjoyed this episode. Uh, 
this episode ended like Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Like, they got the good stuff, but did they? Like, what, the, what was yeah. the trade-off, you know? Because um, it was also massively depressing. Um, yeah, that was pretty bummer. Everyone here is a pet owner. Yeah, that would fucking suck. I would end this world. If that, I, I just had my other points were just two little things that I, I just really liked, uh, which were two design things was one. Uh, I love those, the sandbenders that they had, those like sunglasses that were basically just like a slit cut into like leather. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they're I wearing know, the Bebops. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was the Bebops. I was like, ooh, TMNT. But I know I've seen like uh, images from like the turn of the last century where there were like Bedouins and like a lot of like people living like desert dwellers who do that was what sunglasses were before like tinted glass shades were common was like yeah you just cut a little slit i know uh, i think inuit did the same thing so it's like a cool trick and the other one i liked is that there's that one shot where you saw um toff and she had her feet up like aiming at the camera and you could see that her feet are just callous to shit yeah was like, it that was is the very most quentin tarantino shot we've had <laughs> in this entire show but yeah, it's one of those cool little dirty. show and not tell. So Michael Bay has the lips, and Quentin Tarantino has the feet. So we're we're gathering we're gathering parts here. Yeah. Okay. First of all, like that whole meme watch thing of the the the, the hand over the eyes that she does. Yeah, John Cena. Got me thinking that I'm really hoping to see Toph meet the inventor dude. Oh, that the would be guy cool that in like the kid day. with the 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 flying wheelchair. Yeah. Because I feel like they could have like an interesting conversation about like how that would work and how they could augment themselves in that way. I'd love to see like a super battle of like all the differently abled characters being like, yeah, we're fucking awesome. And here's where we bring all of our unique skills to like help out in one episode. That'd be cool. The other thing that I noticed was that there's two spirits in this one. Cause there's that, like they kept calling it a Fox, but it looked a lot more, more like a coyote to me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. True. yeah. There's the coyote spirit and the owl spirit. And at least at first they both look like a coyote and an owl. Which, if you stop and think about the context of the show, is super weird. When was the last time you saw an animal that was just one animal at a time? Well, when they first saw the fox thing, I remember Sokka was like, what the heck is that? And I'm all like, of course he's confused. He's never seen, like, a solo a animal. single animal, yeah. which to them would look weird. Why does that dog not have wings or a shell? That's what dogs always have. Sort of spirits that we have in our mythology it's always like weird parts of other animals all slapped together, like a, like a chimera or a manticore or even a dragon, which is kind of a, you know, a lizard with bat wings and snake heads. Yeah, yeah, all of it. So the idea of just like, okay, in the spirit world, in our deepest mythology, imagine a creature with the head of an owl and the body of an owl. <laughs> <laughs> With the head of a fox and the body of a fox. Did I ever tell you about Lion Zeus and how he fucked all the animals on Earth and now we have weird mixed up animals? Well, but like in a lot of uh, Japanese and just like Asian mythology, like the Japanese have the tanuki who just turn into raccoons and they can turn into people. But like they also can just look like a fucking raccoon. Kitsune look like foxes. Uh, There's the Kamiho that was just a big deal in... uh, in Lovecraft Country, which is a Korean myth where they just look like a fox as well, just with nine tails. But, like, a lot of, like, there's a lot of Asian myths where, like, an animal can take a normal form, and that's part of how they can fool you and fake you out, so. Well, right, because the the koi fish were normal fish, but they were also spirits. Yeah, holy crap, yeah, good call, Dan, yeah. Because even the monkey, when they go, when there's, like, the panda bear. Yeah. Yeah, he was just a regular fucking monkey. 
they have mentioned animals before, like it just like a regular like it's an owl, it's a bear or whatever. They have said that before. I don't can't recall exactly what, but they you're right. They haven't started seeing like singular animals until like recent. The fandom is like, yeah, you idiots, and we're like, okay, we're just figuring this out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I'm like, oh my god, we just discovered this whole new level, and it's, everyone else is like, yeah, no, dum dums, we've know this. I will refer to this forever as, of course, the moon is important. Of course, the spirits are important. Of course, normal animals are spirits. All right, Sean, what's your other observation? Uh, well, that was it. it was the uh, the weird normal animals thing? So oh, moving okay. forward to the desert, uh, my first note on that is, oh look, Ang's an idiot. Um, everybody gets lost in the desert and gets real emo about, uh, having lost his flying cow. They make their way across the desert, uh, dealing with, you know, hurt feelings and, uh, the best thing that's happened yet, uh, Sokka tries peyote. It's (laughs) the best part of the show in my opinion. Actually, my first note was, was my first time ever agreeing with Katara. Like, I've not oh, really yes. yeah. connected with Katara at all. But her being like, everyone's being an asshole right now. I'm going to have to just hold it together. And you could tell, I think it was really cool that she was like, she's also upset. She's upset that everyone else is upset. And I think she's upset that she, you know, just the way everything happened. But she was like, someone needs to just put their shit away and like, just run shit. And like, she took that. I thought that was actually a really cool development for her character that I'm sure we're going to see more of later. That she's the one that can just be like, hey guys, get it together. You're all fucking Toph is going to be angry about this thing and Sokka will be angry about something. Like they'll all just go off on a corner and she's going to probably be the glue more often than not. Uh, and, oh, and I I had a meme watch on this one too. Watch, yeah! Meme watch. Because that scene when you see like Toph when he first starts, not Toph, when Sokka first starts tripping balls. Yeah, I didn't even know that was from Avatar. I just saw like weird things. Like in the camera. Yeah, I always like didn't realize like I thought someone just drew Sokka badly and it became a popular meme. Yeah, me too. I didn't realize he was stoned. Oh no, no, that's that's the anime things are about to happen phase. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that was like very, very uh, fear and loathing in Sokka in the desert. Yeah, it's back country. He just—that's what eats. Remember, he was like—he was like, "Why is Momo on fire?" Yeah, (laughs) love that line. Momo was tripping balls too, which is why I personally love this episode. But was this also the one with the white lotus stuff? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. That. Yeah. That is the. That is my shit because (laughs) (laughs) I called it. I fucking called that called Definitely. it in season one with the white lotus he went to look for it when they stopped at one of those ports think with the pirates maybe um and i i said that there's something more to the white lotus because he it was such a fucking he like, said it was important and he yep. needed it he needed it yeah like the metaphor was just like they just kept like everything in season one they just were fucking ham-handed and just beat it the fuck into you so like i was like all right well that has to come back and it did and I oh. love the way they did that too with the game, and like that was their like way of letting each other know. That was also, so we first saw, we saw we saw Macho Man uh, Boulder and the other guy come back because oh yeah, we finally like, saw the, mm-hmm. the the wrestlers. Yeah, it took like fucking five episodes for them to come back, uh, and it's funny because then they were like, "Oh, well, we don't know where Toph is, so why don't we get some money by bringing in these two schmucks? How hard can it be to capture Iroh and Zuko?" And I remember just <laughs> <running> down. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I said this won't go well for Macho Man, and I just like wish there was a way to do an audio version of that bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And it went about as well as expected. I, ima- I imagine like uh, Uncle Iroh's like ben- the Ben Franklin of this universe. He's got the secret society. He's probably in like you know hitting on the ladies oh, and all point. this. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of little Iros running around this planet. Um, oh God, hell yes! One of the the things I loved about it is like within that is that clearly these were all Earthbenders. Like these weren't yeah. Firebenders that were like, hey, we shouldn't be part of the Fire Nation. This was like, here's Earthbenders that have joined with the Fire Nation, like Fire, like Bender, with a well-known Firebender general. Is that what you feared. got from that? Yeah, I read it differently. Yeah, I thought really? it was just something that sort of predated the war entirely. I f- I felt like well, that was like I, a Hellfire Club situation. I. I I took it as while that might have been the thing that this is still like an important thing and that this group is actively against uh, the Fire Lord Ozai's like grand scheme to murder everybody. Well, I think I think I think all of you guys are correct. I think the idea is that they're above this, but it's because to them the secret society I think is more important than any of this other shit and it probably does come from the fact that they're like we've existed long before there was this stupid war so like that's just a right now in our history all we care about but like I like the idea that like yeah sure there's this war going on but like being a part of our society transcends that so like yeah you might be a fire general but like you're a white lotus and that matters more to me so like yeah I will give you aid not to mention even if they were skeptical which could be an interesting like you could do a cool like mini short like aside like some cartoons do of like what happened in that room and it could have been a bunch of guys like why the fuck should we help a fire lord like how dare you come here and a iroh is super fucking cool and the other guy clearly could tell that iroh is cool so there would be an interesting probably interchange of like i know why you don't trust me but like i'm chill i'm not your enemy and like yeah i'm a fucking white lotus and that matters more and they'd be like fine like now now you really are piquing my interest because i didn't even think like to think that they would actually put someone in the room and it would just be like, you know, a thing that happened off screen and maybe they'll come back, you know, not come back to it later. But I'm like, wait, you're right. Like who would be like the most shocking person in that room that would help them out? That would be like a white Lotus. I mean, they also could have, and Sean, you check me on this with your, uh, screenwriter uh you know skills but i feel like there could be a secret in there i have a feeling we'll never find out what happened in that room i think that just by not letting zuko in it just makes sense logically that like he's not part of the guild you're not allowed in those are the rules it doesn't matter who your uncle is who you are and it also i think just makes it more clear that like this is a secret society that has very private rituals and the best way to prove that to you is instead of saying it is just having this like little moment where Iroh's like, yeah, this is where you're not allowed because this is the thing that you're not a part of. And you now know that like this organization takes itself seriously and is an important thing. Yeah. I, I, I just, I'm looking so looking forward to seeing where this is going. Cause very, very clearly that this is not, Oh, we'll see more of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, like That's this cool. is not going to be a, a minor plot point. This isn't a, a, a throwaway, um, you know, thing because now it's appeared in two seasons true yeah it's bound to come back i'm waiting for those pirates you guys are right i think that's got to be a thing something that's interesting uh is um you know one of the groups that uh the nazis came down on uh for precisely the reasons that you guys were discussing is this like you know who are you really allied to uh in any time including like you know 
uh, uh, the Proud Boys and, and, you know, the, you know, whatever fucking QAnon imbeciles are out there now, uh, it's always the, uh, the Masons, right? They came down yeah, on yeah. the Masons. And I could see the white, uh, the white Lotus being sort of victims of the same thing where like they are probably pretty heavily persecuted by the fire nation for the exact same reasons, which is, you know, are you, are you loyal to us or are you loyal to this? Yeah, that makes sense. I also think it's like a, a, it's clearly also a philosophy. The way uncle Iroh explained it in season one, he wasn't just talking about how you play the game. It's also like how you do everything, you know, like how you live your life. Um, and it's probably why he stepped away, like when his son died, why he stepped away or why he had respect for the people he was murdered, like sent to destroy, you know? Um, so I, I, I agree with you, Sean, but I also think that it, it's a clearly also has a philosophy that you have to subscribe to, which is what I think Iroh is trying to teach Zuko. Well, I think that analogy goes is that like when he said, it doesn't matter you play the game, I think kind of like the analogy there is like the game was the war and he was like, it's not just about winning the war. It's about how you play the game and it's how you live your life. And he realized that like, I could win this war, but I'd still lose for being a shitty person basically, which is like, and of course that lesson hit him really hard because he lost his son for being a part of the war. So I think that was clearly a big moment. Yeah. It's clearly don't confine yourself to the rules of the game as you see it, because as of now, Zuko's like, well, if I bring the Avatar back by the rules, I will now like re- regain my honor. And I think Iroh is saying, hey, zoom back, focus in on the big picture and just do whatever you want. That will like be something that, you know, will be honorable to yourself. And don't worry about like if you do A and then you get B and that's how it's supposed to be played. Oh, so this was the other thing that Toph did that easily like shape like it changed the course of the plot when she knew like recognized the voice of the one guy oh yeah i was like oh if they didn't know that because they he was wrapped up in garb and everything and they didn't know that and they could have said it was like some other sand uh, bender clan or something like it they could have been fumbling around in the desert a lot longer and not knowing what to do but she just was like nope I know it's him and he's lying and let's like just go all in on these guys. <laughs> yeah. She is very daredevil with her like super hearing. It comes up in like a lot of useful yeah. ways. And the thing I love about their their lair, by the way, something that struck with me was that um struck I love you. those uh stuck with me, struck me, struck with me. Um <laughs> was the vulture wasps were also super fucking creepy. And that was to Sean's point, like last episode where like they love mixing animals that like are not even the same, like phylum or whatever. They're just like totally bonkers to move running them together. And it reminded me of something I found really funny was in the when they go into that cave and uh Sokka just like takes what I guess was supposed to be their honey and just fucking licks the Eat shit it. out of it. And like eats it, and I'm like, like right what is after it he with just Sokka just? Balls. Why does he just lick things? Like, remember in like season one, he like was like trying to get the frog taste out of his mouth, so he licks Appa. Like, what is it with this dude just licking random <laughs> shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yikes! I was gonna say he's like a shark, where like he can only test things with his mouth. So like, if he doesn't taste it, it's not real. They still didn't find Appa. Yeah, okay, that was huge, because that indicates that we are out of the loop that we've been in from Jump Street, right? This is the first oh. time something ended in two episodes, and it has not been resolved. 
Well, Josh also brought this up earlier before you logged on, but also before we started recording, was this episode took place follow, immediately following the pre- previous episode. It wasn't like a day or a pe- period of time. It was end of episode, beginning of next episode, the next breath. And, and it wasn't a two-part. Yeah, and it wasn't a two-parter. No, I think we have had them kind of carry pretty quickly over in two-parters, but this is the first one I, I can remember where it's been a two-parter that has not like tied everything up with a neat bow. No, this is definitely what happens when a creator gets like that type of juice. Did Sokka lick it, that like, juice? Because now that the thing that reminds me of in a weird way is uh is it reminds me of of Radiohead because uh so- the creative juice uh, what. Oh yeah, uh, soccer licking things reminds me of Radiohead for sure. No, it's the same thing. Is like so something I've thought about a lot when I think of like creatives and like creative freedom is if you look at like Radiohead's at least their early career, they did their first album. They were only together for like a year or so, and like Creep was a giant hit. And then the second album, which is not a bad album, but it was like I've read the history of this where like the studio was like, you know, we want an album of shit like creep because that was a big hit. So like, and they had, they gave them a producer who told them how to write their songs and, you know, make sure they were all radio friendly. And they kind of felt very cramped and didn't like it very much. And the second album didn't do very well. And so the third album was their last album on that contract. And the studio was like, we don't give a shit. You guys were clearly one hit wonders. So you guys can put out whatever piece of shit you want. We're not going to pay attention. And they did. Okay. Computer, which was a massive fucking hit. And so from then on, they would go to their studio and be like, we wrote this one song when we were like a brand new band. You then forced us to do things your way and it fucking failed. You completely let us do whatever we want. And we made one of the greatest selling albums of like the 90s. So now you need to leave us the fuck alone and let us do whatever the fuck we want and make our own music. And I think that we're seeing more and more of that where like as the show got popular, the writers were clearly like... Well, now we can write this the way we will fucking want to write it because you were wrong. Although, if they had was more season juice, one creep. Well, right. no, I guess whatever the pilot was was probably creep, and then the rest of the season was the bad album because uh, that was the studio. That's telling what, them what that's, to do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on the flip side, though, if they really had the juice of Radiohead, they wouldn't have gotten kicked off their own movie and their own Netflix series. So that's kind of a bummer. Because the movie clearly did not succeed for not having them on it. Uh, all right. So, Sean, uh, synopsis for this third episode, sir. Episode 12. Yeah, this one was like a two-parter, but not because I like originally had it down as like The Secrets of Bossy so, Say or something like that. No, Netflix, Netflix calls it Secret of the Fire Nation, but the title card in the episode says Serpent Pass. So I don't know why that got fucked up. That's just... That's I'm just pretty weird. sure it's the Serpent Pass. Because, yeah, Netflix has this one and the one after it, which was... I almost skipped ahead, like I Pete. Did, I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it has them listed as just one episode, but it's clearly two episodes. There's like, you know, there's like a whole new title screen and everything. It's obviously more than half an hour long. It's... Yeah, it's weird that they did that. And, uh, yeah, this one is just a Greatest Hits album. This is... This is a... Uh, Jet Return of the Jet. Yeah, Return of the Jetta. And then uh, Suki shows up, but like, who cares about that? Guys, Cabbage's guy. Cabbage's guy. (laughs) Cabbage's guy is back. Actually, a much more subtle call out I will point out uh, uh, is, and I actually went back to double check this, which is part of the reason why I was late, was that um, that pregnant couple that became a very important part of the whole episode. We saw yeah. that couple in Zuko alone. That is the exact same couple that he like almost robbed, but then he saw the wife was pregnant and then he like put his swords away 
It was the exact same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Good eye. So basically, they have to get through a serpent pass. They try to take a uh, ferry. Toph flips her way onto the ferry and throws her weight. But then, because of the pregnant couple, they had to take the serpent pass, which looked like. I love the way they drew the serpent pass. The serpent pass because it looked like you don't want to have to walk that. That just looked like shit. It looked the dangerous serpent and itself scary. looked weird you, though. It was a <laughs> seahorse dragon, which I've never seen before. That was cool. I I thought they were gonna go back to the uh, what was the thing from season one, the delicious eel. Oh, the umami the unagi. unagi unagi. They, they mentioned I love it because yeah. yeah, Sokka was like, you know, giant water dragons, and she's like, I know one, you motherfucker, <laughs> like. Why do you think that means I'm a master of them? In his defense, like, most of us live near zero giant water dragons. So presumably she'd understand at least the basic protocol of, of dragon, giant water dragon, you know, uh, uh, safety. Oh, Which is so probably dis- just don't. That's probably the yeah, well, that's, that's That's what I was going to disagree with you, is like, <laughs> the three of us, and Dan, you grew up in North Jersey too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're, we're all used to having deer nearby and we hate them because they're just like get the fuck you're gonna i'm just gonna hit you with my car get the fuck out of the way i hate haven't you guys learned that cars exist by now um but meanwhile my wife grew up in south jersey with zero deer so anytime she sees a deer she's like bambi you know like and i'm like (laughs) fuck that thing i hate it you know um it's just just a veer off the road and try to hit it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I have a confession to make, which is I am like your wife. Even though, yes, I've seen thousands of them. I'm every time I'm like, especially in your backyard. Look at this thing; it's wonderful. Maybe Suki is unsure with Unagi whether you're supposed to like play dead or make yourself really big and yell at it, and she just doesn't really know what advice to give. (laughs) I always forget which sea dragon you do which behavior to save yourself. I I want to bring it back to. To something that Sean and and you said, Josh, which is how she just dropped her dick on that table. Like, yeah, give me the tickets. Uh, I want four of them. Yeah, these, that was these dum dums. Yeah, they're with me. If you say something bad about these dum dums, uh, you answer to me. They're mine. Because she was insulting them while she was doing it. She is me. I love her. Yeah. She's well, not only is she up. like this powerful earthbender, she also clearly has like this kind of like sixth sense like radar ability with her ears and her feet. But she also has the best superpower of all, which is Batman's superpower, which is just being fucking rich. Like just such an amazing, and she knows when to use it. Like, and she clearly doesn't like it. She didn't like, you know, the, the glass cage that she grew up in, but she was still like, cause you could tell she was like, I'll get let Ang try. But then she's like, Oh fuck. Here's my dad. Here's like some fucking money. Just fuck off. Give me the shit that I want. And, it worked entirely, which also taught us a lot about the Earth Kingdom that like they're super into rules and like keeping decorum. And yeah, the classism is clearly really strong where like she saw like four stowaways. And as soon as one of them was like, I'm rich and here's who my dad is. She was like, you can get whatever you want. But there's also all of those fake avatars. Yeah, you know, that that the, was the camera cut to like those fake avatars. I made an I made a uh, uh, a note about that, which was uh, bold strategy, Cotton. Which uh, again is Josh's yeah. thing. Right? <laughs> but I thought I was I was shocked. I was like, yeah, I, I, that's a tough call shitting on the cosplayers when your primary <laughs> revenue stream is is millennial nerds, right? Like that seems like, but they're like sitting there picking their nose and stuff, and nobody quite <laughs> looks like them, and it's like, 
I see who you're going after with this joke. I see what this is about. Now I wonder how many people have cosplayed as an Aang cosplayer. Like, someone's oh, like, are you supposed to be Aang? And you're like, no, 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 so no, no. I'm, We're I'm, from that one throwaway scene. I'm Aang with a beard and so, stuff Also, like and that. to the Suki coming back, I was really psyched to see her come back. And I liked how that played out. Although the romance went a little faster than I thought it would. But, like, you know, yes. Sokka was... Yeah, he earned it, but he was also, he was measured about it. That whole scene when she was, like, talking about the moon, I was like, oh, you just cock-block yourself, Suki, and you didn't even know how. Like, you just brought up the touchiest subject. I wasn't surprised at the pace they went initially when they got back, like, that she was into him. But when they they had that moment and they paused and he didn't kiss her, I really thought, like, that was going to last a while. I didn't think that was going to, like, come back around by the end of the episode. Same, Yeah. yeah. And, like, he was going to, like, explain what happened and kind of, you know, connect with her that way. And then then the kiss would happen and, you know, he'd be ready for it. But I made a note of Sokka has 99 problems, but then I realized he technically has 100 because the 99 doesn't work here. I guess the I'm not a player, I just crush a lot. It's probably a better 90s hip hop reference I should go to. <laughs> oh, my God. He went into the crates and then passed him. He just yeah. kept fucking digging. That's what I do. I, it's he's just a I goddamn basement. Him. What was that? I was not expecting to go that deep into just like Sokka just bringing all of his ladies into one episode and being a whole fucking thing. But like the only way they could have piled it on more is if the carnival girl had also showed up with Azula and had been like, who's this bitch? And like, then like he's dealing with all of his ladies at once. But I, I really did love the line when she's like, it's a beautiful moon. And he's like, yeah, it is. I was like, Oh, that was, that was deep. Yeah. Uh, uh, clamped his butthole. <laughs> my note was ouch. Beautiful moon. Oh, and keeping Sokka as being my fucking boy was that one line where she's like, I know this one guy who I met who is like really cute. He's like, is he taller than me? And I was like, God, Sokka is so me. <laughs> I know. Like, I heard that and I was like, oh, my God. How many times have I been Sokka? Like, let's see, age 12 to 24, maybe, you know, like, uh, what, what did they do this episode? Because they were in this episode. Zuko and Iroh. Oh, that was uh, Zuko and Jet, like, got super oh, romantic. That's right. Yeah. That's a team up I'd like to see. I kind of hope that. Uh, oh, wait. Like- I, I want to point out one of my predictions was right. I did say everyone wants to fuck Jet, and that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> you think those two I, are going to was- hook up? Oh, dude, that was bromantic oh, as fuck. They were. It was, that yeah, was, I feel yeah. like that would uh, that would be a, a start. No one will. No, no one will keep. Will, will look out for us unless we do. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Like the 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 look that Jet gives Zuko when they're all like stealing the food and Zuko is doing everything with just swords. Yeah, which was just, a cool little move. Like, yeah, he was impressed. Oh, like he, his pants were moist, like a hundred percent. I knew who you were as soon as I saw your scar. You're my boyfriend. <laughs> There's like I haven't so, read any fan fiction. That has to be. It ha- I was, was going to say. I have a feeling that because it's Nickelodeon in 2005, I'm sure they're the hinting is kind of on purpose. But I'm my prediction is is we're not going to see them actually hook up, unfortunately. But I'm sad about it because I really wish that this show came out at a time. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Holy shit, I will be blown away. But yeah, I would love to have it where like 
not even come out like they just hook up and it's like not a deal it's just like yeah of yeah. course like they're into each other and they're a perfect match why would jet and zuko not hook up i just wish that was a fucking thing i'm guessing it's not and i hope i'm wrong probably but i'm also glad that the creators didn't pull a uh my brain keeps wanting to say tolkien but uh what who's the turf that writes harry potter rowling uh, rowling jk rowling jk i didn't like I, i'm just glad that the so creators didn't pull a rowling and and like retroactively be like oh yeah there here's this gay relationship that well not for nothing if they did that would still be better than jk rowling because at least they could say yeah did it seem like those two were hitting on each other because they fucking were look the fucking chemistry was clear we did that on purpose whereas jk rowling was just like dumbledore's gay because i said so and i didn't show you any of that it's just i'm trying to win woke points 10 years later and fuck you turf Uh, piece of shit yeah three years later i'm gonna show myself to be a turf yeah it seems like that uh that a whole thing backfired. Yeah. So in better news on this episode, uh, something sweeter, uh, uh, is, uh, I, I also, yeah, this is the one where I wrote down that Toph saves everyone should be the name of this episode. Cause she was such a badass every step of the way. Season and I love that one line is... when she's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sokka for saving me. Toph <laughs> standing there with Appa or not the first, uh, the, in the desert, uh, where she's like, uh, the library. She's like, yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's also when the when the sandbenders come, she's like, "I'm not gonna cuddle with you. I told you, you know, like." Yeah. But so far, like, especially with these three episodes, Josh, to your point, like, uh, or Dan, whoever I forget who made the point. I'm stupid. I can't help keep these things straight. But she has saved, she has saved every episode that she's been in. Like, she saved them the library. She saved them the last episode. She saves them again. You know this. Although this one also, um, Katara does a good job in the, the snakes, the serpent's path. I, I wrote in the last episode that she had the first good moment where I really liked Katara, just her whole, like, I like that they turned around from, instead of just being the, the, again, kind of a tropey, naive, overly trusting character. And that it, I think it's actually a really logical pivot to have her turning more into like, okay, I'm not just going to be like a doorstep for everyone, but I will like put my shit away when everyone else clearly can't because they're all too damned emotional and I will tell everyone to get their shit together and get the job done. And she kind of did that here too. Like it was really cool. Like, but uh, the whole thing with like the whole pregnancy and having the baby and having it be hope uh, as a, you know, (laughs) a impending father in 2020 that I was definitely getting more than a little misty at the like, Oh yeah, right. This is kind of hope because I, yeah, <laughs> everything's I mean, garbage. I wonder if that that uh, hope will be in um, in Korra. Oh, in Korra? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, we'll have to, we'll have Ooh nice cross prediction. Mm. Good, good one, Dave. That's like solid. That. That's, that's, that's tight. tight. Yeah, I hope Oof. so. What's funny is that if 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 hope is in Korra, everyone has seen both right now is going. Oh, I can't wait till they find it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all four people that listen to our podcast. You're like, oh, those fucking dummies. One of the uh, the things I really loved about this episode is that, like, in season one, when there was a love episode, everyone got love episodes. In this one, they could have easily done that, especially at the end when Aang turns around all teary-eyed, like, because the baby, you know, like, makes him, hope. like, realize that he's like, oh, that's right, I can't just be an alpha male piece of shit, I have to, like, be a human being. Like, when they went to hug, I was like, oh, fuck, like, here it goes. And it, and it didn't happen. Like, we all know it's coming. No, it's just platonic at that point, because it was not about yeah. romantic love in that moment. 
which is really yeah. cool. But to to your point before about Katara is in these three episodes, she's actually like I've come around on her. Like in the library, Ang tells her like, "No, get the fuck out of here. Like I'm gonna go do the dumb shit." And she doesn't fight. She doesn't bitch or complain. She takes Momo and she fucking hauls ass. You know, like uh, you know, and the the, the next episode, like she does. I forget what she did, but she did something else that was like, oh, that's rational. Like, you're helping the group. And then this one, she's helping Aang through, like, emotional turmoil. Yeah, and, she's and not her just center. being a, And not just being a, like, just put a smile, buddy. You know, like, I feel like in season one, it would have just been like, just smile. Like, you know, if you because smile, you should. you'll feel better. Yeah. 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 And, you know, that's that's a good and a bad thing, depending on how everyone else treats her because it's great that she's able to, to kind of hold everything together and understands why everyone else is freaking out or having their emotions. But if she's always doing that, like that could be bad if everyone's like kind of toxically just kicking it down the road for her to like deal with. Well, I mean, she kind of, I mean, they, they've kind of paved that road so far because she did that with Toph in the first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, that they were together, and now she's doing it now with um, with Aang, and I'm um, I'm sure going forward now that um, Sokka has kissed Suki, like he's gonna be a little uh, sad that like you know he's not gonna be able to like smush smiles. Um, we learned a lot about trying things in these past episodes. I love like those little subtle uses of things like that. That was really cool. Where he's like he had a lot of the yeah pull the water out and I see it in so many like fantasy things in general and in shows and movies where like characters get wet and a they dry off usually impossibly fast and like i mean for one when suki jumped in to save Toph, which i thought was a cool scene and that was one of the funniest jokes by the way it was like oh you can just let me drown now um was one of the best jokes i think in the show yet but, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but suki jumped in and like saved her and uh i was like you're a incredibly strong to swim wearing all that shit because you know it would just soak up like a sponge and you would just fucking drown but like i like i've seen a lot of these shows where like important things get wet like old documents like you see like maps in like some like tolkien-esque thing where like you guys went swimming with those ancient maps like the ink is gone the paper is destroyed and they actually have like a logical way to say no the map's fine yeah all the water's out and you're like oh good yeah. they didn't just like ignore Spe- it i liked the the cloud thing in 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 the desert episode that was brilliant too that also that it didn't fill the the full canteen I was like of course, thank you I appreciate you actually even in that scene his little uh, tantrum I didn't that one I thought I didn't like hate it and normally when characters throw tantrums I always find it kind of annoying which I think I assume most people do maybe not maybe people watch characters have tantrums and are like I do that that's cool but I'm always like fucking get your shit together you have like more important things to worry about. But I thought that was actually really well written that he's clearly really upset about losing Appa, which is a big fucking deal. And it seems to him like nobody cares. Uh, and I think he's not paying attention to what they're saying because he's really upset about losing Appa, which is a big deal. And so this little thing threw him off in a way that I thought was actually very reasonable that like she meant to say what she did say, which was like, I would have expected more water to come out of a cloud. But of course, he heard you fucked up and didn't get enough water. So he was like, yeah, well, I screwed this up too, whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is like he's just really emotional right now and would have misunderstood that. And I thought one of the coolest things 
that happened with Katara yet, which made me like her character so much more than I ever had in the show, was instead of her being like, fuck you, that's not what I meant, she was like, no, I get it. He's upset. I'm just going to let this tantrum go because I'm still being the rock that the team needs right now. And that was really cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say that like before is like that's one of my favorite things as someone who uh, and I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not going to throw anyone else under the bus that doesn't want to. But uh, as someone who is very open with his struggles with uh, mental health is that like in season one, she sucked because she was not dealing with anything and she was just kind of like, no, I like, I want just you to be, be happy. happy. Be happy. Yeah. And then this one, she's like letting people be angry, letting people be mm-hmm. upset, and then letting them, and then just showing them things. So like, like, hey, look, this is something that is worth being hopeful and, and joyful for. And you can take it however you want. Like, that's not why she showed it to him, but like, that's what she was hoping was going to happen, you know? And something else we've kind of glazed over was the end of the uh, episode 11, the second one that we watched, when he was about to go fucking like uh, crazy uh, Avatar state, which we know usually he's uncontrolled and dangerous. And like that scene I thought was super huge. That like, and that was like, that's how you deal with panic attacks. Like that is like by the book. Like just be there for them. Like she didn't grab him and pull him down. She like touched his arm waited for him to calm down and then when he like him to recognize it and then go like yeah he didn't need a whole lot of words or anything no yeah Yeah. but like she didn't force him to hug her it was like really fucking well done i thought that was super cool i just feel like especially i mean especially nowadays with like more and more kids at a younger age like maybe it happened more when we were younger but we just didn't have the words for it but like no it was man up and whatever yeah stop being a pussy you know um but you know like when the more and more kids essentially being diagnosed with like panic disorders and anxiety, like high anxiety. It's I'm so glad that they had this to see. Whereas like those of us who had it in the eighties and early nineties was like, you just suppressed that shit as much as you can. And then you get a few assault and battery charges uh, against you. Like we talked about at the top of the show, the shows that we watched. Yeah. There was a lot of like solving problems with violence which was okay because most of the violence, I think, was probably some sort of analog for the Russians who were basically yeah, we were faceless aliens, so it was okay to hit them and kill them, uh, kind of to Sean's point. But then the PDSAs, or the PSAs, the PSAs at the end, when they did have them, the little moral would just be, yeah, just be happy or like, you know, just act correctly because you should, which is also very codified and often with gender, but not always. And like, we all know that it is a lot more complex than that. And uh, I guess to Pete's credit, I will also out myself because I do have like super wicked anxiety, which is why I noticed that is like, I've read like how to deal with a panic attack. I've had to like show that article to my wife of like, Hey, when I have crazy panic attacks, this is the way to do it. Like, don't ask me lots of questions. Don't, force me to hug you don't you know uh tell me that i should be fine or like just kind of it's like a fucking when a kid is a tantrum really it's just like let me work through it you know ask me yes no questions and then i will tell you what i need and if i need no more questions like and it was like the, the way Katara handled that scene was like a very s- simplified representation of how that works where it's like you got to let the person work it out and just like let them know you're there and i thought that was like yeah that was like that's a scene that makes me understand why people like love this show because that was such a much more powerful thing than anything we saw, I think, in season one. 
I don't want to diminish any of that. I just want to say I feel like 80s cartoon PSAs are taking a pretty heavy beating right now. <clears throat> they usually had nothing to do with the show. In G.I. Joe, it was like, sauce. yeah, don't switch off your fire alarms or like, you know, don't like pick up an electrical cable that's sparking. There was like, the- don't be a bully. There was fighting doesn't solve your problems. No, but for the most part, it was like safety stuff. You're thinking yeah. of in He-Man, I think they did the more of the moral of the show. Yeah. Uh, and and G.I. Joe was a lot more like, don't walk on ice, you know, like, look both ways before That's you cross true. the road. They showed everything, which was great. They didn't tell us, like, the movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they showed us what we needed to see, and we got it, and kids got it. You instinctually, you just read into, the, like, the message that's there, and you can apply it to a lot of things in a lot of situations. And definitely, the mental health aspect is only, like, become more more uh in like our culture's awareness since then so i think like people are definitely taking notes off of this type of stuff that they're doing in avatar now and putting it into their shows today i think how to deal with depression and panic attacks became a very important lesson for 2020 like steven universe steve yes Yes. universe adventure time you know like they both uh addressed it you know yeah and they addressed depression and adhd as well you know like and these are all things that uh, I know Josh has ADHD, as do I, um, and Sean, you probably have it too. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, I'm just so glad that this show clearly led the way. And I'm also so glad that we're actually enjoying the fucking show. Yeah. We have this much to say <laughs> about this. Yeah. yeah, for anyone listening who's followed all the episodes of the show, this, this is what I thought the podcast would to. be the whole time. I didn't think yeah. the podcast was going to be me bitching about the show for the first season. So actually, yeah, that's a good uh, thing to bring up now. Uh, so we, we all kind of did like a general rating, I think, early, early on when we started this. I think I was like somewhere like an eight or something, and everybody else was kind of cascading below that. Do, has anybody's rating changed at this point? Like, where where do you stand, Pete? Uh, I'm going to have a point, and then I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i give you my, my grade. Um, on a, we're doing the one to ten, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, my point is something that I was very curious about with season two, as it clearly is an imp- improvement over season one, is now that they're obviously reintroducing some of the characters that we liked or didn't like in season one, um, and they're bringing them back, um, whether that is changing my opinion of season one. So, like, at the end of season one, I was a strong 4.3. On, on season one like Crazy. like yeah like I didn't want to give it a C because it wasn't a C it was like a C minus you know like like as someone who got mostly D's in high school like that's where I felt like season one was living um, and now season two so far I reserve the right to change it but so far I want to give it like almost a nine I want to give it a nine I, I don't like I'm afraid wow. to go that high because I want room to go forward, but like these, these I've, I feel like the past three episodes have been like these three episodes have been my favorite ones so far, <laughs> uh, and because these three are the most recent ones I'm talking about, uh, and they like hit me at an emotional level, hmm. you know that made me yeah. as a 42 year old man being heard by a cartoon that was made in the early 2000s aimed at 12 year olds, like I gotta yeah. give it a nine, That's you know like I I it just it, it it if it it made Josh tear. Well, you know, I'm like, a whiny bitch these days, but yeah, yeah. 
Especially uh, with anything involving pregnancy, but again, that's for obvious yeah, reasons. I would say your entire life. But, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it is it is what it is. Uh, I would say it's a nine. Uh, it's a good, a good, strong nine. Josh? Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't know, I gave it, what, like a two or a three, probably. Uh, I think you I gave was, it a three. I was pretty upset with it. Uh, so far this season, yeah, I'm going to crank it up to, yeah, like about an eight. I'm also not going to put it at like nine or ten just because... Like, I think if I had to, like, of all the shows that came out in 2005 that you've watched recently, I'd be like, okay, it's fucking 10. Or not watched, but have watched. But since I'm still going to grade it on, like, all of my favorite shows, or at least all of my favorite cartoons, I still don't think it's Adventure Time, Gravity Falls, like, Steven Universe. But I think it's super fucking close, and I now totally understand, that, like, those shows are as good as they are because this show kind of broke down some boundaries and introduce new storytelling kind of techniques that those other shows clearly employ heavily, like getting so kind of like emotional and serious and yet tempering it with humor and having just a linear storyline, which I know is not common in kids shows before that. I'm a bit different on the first season though. I still feel like the more I like the second season, it's almost the more I hate the first season. Cause it's like, I wish the first season was even half as good. Like if I'm giving this one an eight, I would have liked the first season to be a fucking four at least, but it was not even that good. So I don't know, Sean, what do you think? I kind of like this, like rating this and if it changed your rating of season one is a cool question. Does anybody remember what I rated season one? I feel you like gave I it like a five or a six. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, a five. I'm up to like, I'm up to like seven, eight. I'm, I'm, I'm way more on board. Uh, I, and I think I'm only being, uh, I'm only being stingy here is because I feel like it's going to get more interesting and I want to give it room to escalate. Yeah. That was my, that was my fear of giving it a nine, but like, I, I it's really good though. Like, you know, and, and, and again, I'm having a hard time not watching ahead, which I never had a hard time with before. So one way I know you're liking the show better, Sean, cause I know you very well as your brother, is now you're not bringing up all of this like, why did the Fire Nation use cannons? Or I'm really confused about they haven't explained this particular detail on how the bending works. Yeah, you're right. I'm not bored by it and like drilling down. You're right. Like, I'm just like, I'm I'm, I'm with the story, so I don't need to like get the details. Let me cut this open and dissect it. Yeah, because you're looking for something to talk about. Um, But what about uh, last season? Is this really, how has this changed your opinion of last season, if at all? Or has it, yeah. See, on my end, it's making me a little more upset with last season because I feel like all the stuff. And, and again, I'm not upset with the writers or the creatives. I'm, I'm upset with the executives that forced them into the box that said that they had to zero everything out at the end of every episode. Because had that not happened, I feel like we could have gotten this level of storytelling and the character development that we got. Like, you know, like now we know who Jet is. We know who Suki is. It's exciting when they show back up. That wouldn't not have happened if they had done this from the the get go. It's just it would have been more fun to watch, you know. Okay, so you're saying that like from your five, uh, you give it a five or six. What would you give it now? Uh, like I said, I think uh, so. Let's say if, if I, I gave it a five point five. I'm up to like a solid seven. No, I mean no season one. Uh, season one is it lowered? Yeah, you? I think it's down to like a four point five or a five. Oh, okay. Right, Dan, Dan, take it home. Yeah, Dan. I think I was like an eight in season one. Yeah, I think you were. I'm gonna leave it there. Maybe, maybe at seven point five, if anything. But that's like. Well, you think it got worse than the first season? Ooh. Uh, or 
or are you saying the first season lowered for you? Well, like comparatively, because this the second season is definitely better. But like I, I'm trying so not you, to comp- wait. First, what are you rating the second season at? That's oh, the first oh, the question. second. Yeah, no, I was going back to the first season, but like I'm trying not to compare like the two. I'm trying to just like go straight off of well, each question season. one is how'd you feel about where would you rate this season and i think the second question is got it does this season affect your rating of the first one in retrospect? all right i'll do it what in that you, order then what's your rating of this season first uh, i'd say it's a nine i'm, I'm really Fair. liking it i'm still leaving it room to get better or become perfect as people claim <laughs> yeah but uh fair it doesn't affect my rating, I want to say, of the previous season. Like, I wanted to say maybe it, it knocked it down half a point, but I'm just going to not compare the two and just leave that first rating at uh, eight or whatever I said originally. I think that makes sense because you liked the first season. I could see where you're like, I liked it. This one's better, but I like the first one. I think we had such weird opinions of the first one and generally didn't like it. I think it stands to reason our opinions would be more malleable because we felt there right was more it's to hard go. to make me like it less if i liked it a certain amount because they're not doing something that i'm going oh hey they changed everything and now it's different from the first season or they didn't go back to a certain character like they're really returning to a lot of stuff from the first season so i'm not feeling like i got like let down because they just dropped some storyline or you know some character that i was really excited to see again yeah, I was a little nervous when they brought Suki back that like they'd make her a little too, I don't know, just kind of like make her a little too soft to just be like, you know, and just maybe relegate her to being a love interest now. And they really did a good job of not doing that. Like the fact that she was like, yeah, I got to leave because I only came here to protect you. I'm not staying with you forever. Like, I'll see you again. The fact right. that like Sokka was like, oh, I got to take my shoes off to swim. And she's like, I'm going to fucking save Toph because like Toph has saved everyone all episode. Like she was a really badass character. And I thought that was keeping with her introduction. Yeah, I what, that's I mean, that, again, that's part of the reason I agree with. That's why my scores for season one went up is because it was like, oh, yes, here's this. She was great in season one. You know, she was the highlight for me, especially in the first couple episodes where I was like, Oh, okay. Like here's where we're getting a good story, you know, and and it also shows that Sokka hasn't changed cuz he still just inherently dips back into misogyny. And then she's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like I can make a I can sleep here. Like I can make this bed." You know, like, you know, I don't need you to to guard me. I don't care about a spider. You know, like Yeah. And he goes to take his shoes off and she just dives in, you know, like she's taking the like, you know, she takes what I liked, something I liked about the first season and is reminding me, hey, remember this? You liked this, you know, like and for as much as I hated Jet when like I didn't hate Jet, but like I wasn't in love with that episode. It made me like think about the shit we said about Jet, which made me laugh, which made me then like, oh, yeah, Jet, he's a fucking moron, you know, like. Everyone's well, trying to, he's the, you know. What I liked so. for him was that he specifically did say that, like, he's trying to get a second chance and, like, start over, which, you know, Zuko, and I like that they bonded on that. But it's funny because I could almost see in a weird little meta way that's also the writers making kind of being like, yeah, Jet sucked. So we're going to rewrite him as a better character. And through the character, he's like, yeah, I wasn't a great person. I'm going to be a better person is almost a way of saying I'm going to be a better character from here on out. I, I promise. Uh, but one of the, the things I liked about it is, is, is 
again with showing Jet and showing that he's trying to get a second chance is that like he realized he was wrong. So therefore you've just proved Aang, Katara, and Sokka in their critique of him, which he literally was willing to fist fight and kill them over, that like, no, you know what? You guys were right. Like what I did was wrong. Uh, and so it's it's already we're seeing more character growth from him. You know, it, his change of a character has it makes what happened in season one a little bit more important. I will turn that into a pivot to predictions, and then okay, start yeah. wrapping this up. Yeah, this is my odd. prediction is, and I Purr. I I never would have seen this coming, but now my prediction is the jet is going to become a a, a fairly important part of Zuko's arc and redemption which before that episode i never would have guessed if you're like who's a character we haven't seen in a while who's going to show back up and like become his redemption i would have been like oh the girl who put him up in her house or something i never would have fucking that like his like redemption arc would involve jet and i think that's super cool but that's my big prediction my prediction is uh that um, I don't. I, I don't know. I think. I, I think. I don't know that you know, a leopard can change his spots. I feel like Jet might lead Zuko down an even worse path. Maybe Zuko's gonna like lead Jet to his redemption. Okay, that sounds possible too. It could go either way. Like, like maybe Jet does something so sleazy that Zuko's like, "Was I like that?" And then he starts to change. Oh, like oh. you found my limits. Yeah, I didn't trust Jet right away when he came uh came back they really like they teased it they they zoomed in on his face and they played that uh kind of eerie music and they're like is he gonna screw zuko over is he up to his back on his bullshit again <laughs> well a real like slick move on the writers would be to make that be a twist right like that would be some pretty it's in crazy and like i think smart writing if you kind of like oh he's better now and zuko's better now and they'll make each other better and then you find out that like one of them probably jet is like no nah, i'm still gonna do all this horrible shit and then you're like oh he's not actually better but like he'll help teach zuko accidentally to be better i also want to bring up one thing that uh is important and we haven't discussed yet i don't want to talk about it for the next 25 minutes though but when uh, uncle iroh um uh, misgenders smellerby i thought that was like and then uh, the other guy, I forget his name, the quiet one, the one who doesn't really talk. Oh, yeah, that was a great line, too. Long um, shot. Long shot, you know, like, uh, like just puts his hand on her shoulder. And like I forget what she says, but it's like... It oh, was yeah, he was a... like, what What do we say? And she's like, what they think of me. Long shot doesn't speak. Oh, you're right. She, she said, I think, I remember she said, you're right, which I thought was yeah. kind of a funny thing. Like, she knew what he meant. But she said, you're right. What other people think of me doesn't diminish who I am or something like that. And that was a yeah, really and cool I was line. Like, and I was like, not only was she misgendered, but, like, uh, you know, like, she was, like, clearly, I, I, like, if I saw her in real life, I'd be like, oh, you know, like, she's non-binary. But she's well, very clearly a she. And part of me know? thinks this is probably just the time that the show was written. But part of me also thinks that it's, I think, even if this wasn't on purpose, kind of the cool lesson is that, like, as cool as Iroh is, and he did his best, he's still also, like everyone else, not a perfect character. Because he misgendered, but then pivoted way too far in the other direction. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you're a beautiful lady. And it's like, maybe she or they 
aren't trying to be a, a sex like a, a, a handsome man or a beautiful lady. Maybe they're just trying to be you know yeah, them. You and so like need, it was an interesting Biden moment. It. Yeah. All right. So Dan, your predictions. Yeah, prediction. I predict we will have either a full episode or a good chunk of an episode where we see what Appa's been up to this whole time. How long do you think until we get Appa? Like next episode, couple of episodes. I'm. Uh, well, yeah, let's Dan. What do you think? I th- I was about to. Ask I think it's gonna Appa. be a while because I I think they're gonna, they just got the boss and say, and I think they got to deal with. Obviously, they cut it off at uh, the drill coming, and they're gonna deal with that for mm, an, at least right, an episode, that. and then I think once they settle in. They're gonna find out Appa wasn't taken to Boston, say, or like he was sold somewhere else, and they're gonna have to go find some find him somewhere else or something. I think it'll be it. Well, that could also be a way of keeping them in Boston, say, longer if that's what they want right. to do, which is like a smart way of doing that. Where it could be like, we know he's in this city, but it's a giant city, and he's like being traded in the underworld or something. So they could kind of have an ongoing every now and then Aang goes looking for him, but other shit is distracting. I don't know how it's going to go, but they could use that as a because he talks to the king and the king right. says yes or no, like that mission's done. But if they haven't found Appa yet, yeah, because the have city's to stick huge, around. so they they can't just leave right away. They're gonna yeah. When we saw Aang flying up the wall, I was like, okay, that's really fucking big. I didn't realize that's how big that wall was supposed to be. Yeah, I uh, I, I think we won't see Suki again till season three. Uh, I think we'll get Appa back in three episodes, and I think Dan's right. I think we're going to get like an episode where we just see his POV um, oh, before the return. Be awesome, Appa um, episode. Yeah, and um, I, I'm just I just want to know more about the White Lotus stuff. Like I just I need to know more about that. All right, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up with a question for yeah. Sean. All right. Do you ever think we're gonna get just a straight boomy episode? And how angry or sad will you be if we don't? Only him? I don't think we're going to get like a Zuko alone. Uh, Boomy focused, I think, is definitely happening because the last time we saw him, he was in a box. You don't leave a character like that as a face in a box. Like I could see it being just Aang and Boomy. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I could see Boomy sacrificing himself. That also sounds very likely. I feel like Sean wouldn't be upset about that though. He'd be fine with Boomy going out a hero. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Take Don't forget to visit us on Twitter and Facebook, the Hype Benders. Word. Um, and uh, thank you guys. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye bye.